You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Today we are discussing the science of genetic testing for cancer risk using the BRCA genetic mutations. In this segment, we will focus on the clinical management of patients with BRCA mutations. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Michael Benson, a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University in Chicago. With me today is Dr. Gregory Critchfield, a board-certified pathologist who is president of Myriad Genetic Laboratories. Myriad is a biotechnology company that has brought BRCA genetic testing to the clinical marketplace. Welcome, Dr. Critchfield. Thank you, Dr. Benson. It's a pleasure to be here. Aren't these BRCA mutations the gene of doom? What can patients who have BRCA mutations do other than write their wills? Let's talk about breast cancer risk reduction first. Very good. There are a number of things that can be done to, to decrease the probability that someone with BRCA mutations would have cancer in the future. This is the, the real value of a predictive medicine approach. There are three things that can be done. One of them is to increase surveillance measures. I'll talk about that in a moment. Secondly, there are preventive drug treatments that can lower the risk of, of getting cancer in the future. And third, there is risk-reducing surgery. On the uh, surveillance account, one would start doing mammography and other tests earlier in these individuals. Just last week, the American Cancer Society issued new guidelines saying that individuals with BRCA1 or BRCA2 mutations should not use traditional mammography but should use MRI, which is much more sensitive in finding smaller tumors in individuals uh, of younger age. This is a, a step forward because th this is a very, very sensitive technique that will help these individuals. If they do have cancer, they'll find it at a much earlier and more curable uh, age. I want to interject something for our uh, general audience. The controversy about using MRI for breast cancer detection in a general population is really related to its specificity. It's more sensitive than uh, traditional mammography, but unfortunately for many patients, there's also a very substantial false positive rate, and so that's one of the hesitations that uh, societies have in recommending MRI for breast cancer screening for the general population. Was the American Cancer Society specific at all in what age they would start MRI screening? I don't recall that there was a specific age that they recommended, but they, uh, they, they did recommend the risk category. If someone has mutations, that they should be doing it at a much younger age. What other types of increased surveillance, if any, are there for uh, patients with BRCA mutations? Beyond mammography, um, one of the recommendations is periodic CA125. As we all know, that is a method to screen for ovarian cancer, and the problem, of course, is that it does lack sensitivity, uh, and ovarian cancer still is an area where we need a, a good early diagnostic uh, test. I see. Did they say anything about uh, more frequent pelvic ultrasounds? Pelvic ultrasounds are certainly a method that can be used, and some, some clinicians find this to be useful. Um, the general recommendation for, for ovarian cancer, however, goes to the next area, and that is there are preventive medications that can be given. In the case of ovarian cancer, uh, it has been reported that individuals with oral contraceptive use for uh, up to five years can have as much as a 60% reduction in their risk of ovarian cancer. I have a question about that. Is that for uh, BRCA mutations? Yes, that was studied by uh, Stephen Nayrod and his group in Toronto, looking at BRCA mutation carriers as a specific group. The reason that I ask is because uh, birth control pill use or uh, oral contraceptives, which probably now also include the patch and the vaginal ring called NuvaRing, 
are actually known to cause substantial risk reduction in uh, women who don't even have the BRCA mutation. So I suppose if they have the BRCA mutation, uh, they're certainly at much higher risk and they have even more of a reason to go on the pill. Are there any medicines that are recommended for breast cancer? Tamoxifen is, is an interesting medication. It has been shown that the risk reduction from tamoxifen use is approximately 50%. A recent study was completed uh, called IBIS-1, where they looked at the long-term effects. And, and what was found in that particular study that did not look specifically at BRCA mutation carriers, but at all comers, they found that the risk reduction uh, offered by tamoxifen in preventing future breast cancer uh, lasted for more than 10 years beyond the time the patient was taking the medication. And, and so that is one of the, method, one of the uh, risk redu- reduction me- measures on the medication side. With regard to surgery, however, I think the story is also interesting. One recommendation is that a, a woman with BRCA mutations, if she has, has finished having children, at that point in time, she should think about uh, having the ovaries removed. This single procedure would reduce the, the ovarian cancer risk quite significantly, virtually eliminating the risk of ovarian cancer. And at the same time, the risk of breast cancer is reduced by about 50%. If a woman doesn't have ovaries, how can she get ovarian cancer? And uh, as an obstetrician gynecologist, I feel competent to answer that question uh, that I'm sure many of our audience members have. And the answer is there is a cancer that looks like ovarian cancer and perhaps may even be confused with it. And that's a primary malignancy that's actually very rare of the peritoneal surface. And it probably is uh, a slightly different cancer uh, in terms of its, uh, both its epidemiology and uh, perhaps causation, uh, or so uh, some of my gynecologist peers uh, tell me. Okay, so what about uh, surgery for breast cancer reduction? For breast cancer reduction, uh, prophylactic mastectomy uh, does offer significant reduction in breast cancer risk, greater than 90%. But this is not an option that all women choose, however. And as with all medical procedures, one needs to weigh the costs and benefits of each of them before deciding what to do. In the olden days, before there was a genetic test, people would undergo a prophylactic mastectomy uh, without knowing what the mutation status was. In families where there was a mutation, that meant that twice as many people as needed to have surgery were, were getting it in those times. Uh, from speaking from personal experience again, as an obstetrician gynecologist, I know several women who were at high risk, and they uh, seem reasonably reconciled to the double mastectomy after they're done with uh, childbearing, particularly if they have a female relative who died at a horrible death at an early age. Yes, and again, I think this is an individual choice. There are cases, um, well-known cases that have been publicized even nationally of young women who have had prophylactic mastectomies, uh, knowing what the risks are, not wanting the other shoe to drop, and and making a decision, you know, it's it's time to take action and do something. Again, this is something that that we recommend be the discussion between the physician and the patient. They have to decide what is best for that particular case. Is there any legislation that regulates genetic testing? Uh, Yes, there is. Um, The Clinical Laboratory Improvement Act of 1988 is a body of legislation that that regulates what sorts of laboratory uh, technologies can be uh, performed. There are rules and inspections that occur as part of the CLIA certification. That is one body of legislation. Uh, The FDA has the right to do regulation in this area, 
uh, but has, to the present time, not exercised that right for the traditional genetic tests. Of course, there are tests that are performed in kit forms that are sold to laboratories by manufacturers. Those kinds of tests do fall under FDA uh, regulation and are tightly regulated. Other tests that are developed within a laboratory that are highly complex are traditionally governed by the CLIA set of regulations. I see. Uh, what about legislation governing either the confidentiality of these results or even uh, insurance discrimination? Yeah, it's important that everyone understand that the, uh, the HIPAA legislation uh, that all doctors are quite aware of nowadays uh, with regard to keeping private health information very confidential, they apply to laboratories as well as to physicians' offices. There's, there are uh, very stringent rules in place making sure that the information is, is communicated only to people that have a need to know, and confidentiality is one of the key elements in this kind of laboratory testing service. What about the anti-discrimination laws? Is there legislation preventing insurance companies from dropping people or uh, tripling their insurance premiums because of the results of this test? Yes, um, th this is something that's been the, stu the study of a number of, of careful examinations. Uh, insurance discrimination does not occur. There, there are federal laws, there are state laws, there are even executive order. Uh, there's even an executive order that prevents uh, discrimination of the kind that you're discussing. So. When I asked earlier, isn't BRCA uh, mutations in gene 1 and 2 the gene of doom, I said, and that perhaps somebody should just write their will and give up living, I guess it's probably not a very accurate answer, is it? No, it's not. And the, the other thing that I would mention is that uh, in the future, there may be some approaches for even treating the cancers that these individuals have based on the, the biology. Uh, again, coming back to the concept, the BRCA genes are involved in DNA repair. The tumors that result from this lack DNA repair. And a, a chemotherapeutic approach that, that focuses in on that fact and damages the DNA that's there may actually render that cancer much more susceptible to certain approaches. These are things that are exciting and in the clinic right now. We'll have the answers as these clinical trials become completed. So I think one of the take-home messages that we probably wish to convey to the audience is that the benefit of BRCA1 and 2 testing in terms of finding these really awful mutations is that there are things that can be done. Increased surveillance, medication, and even surgery. Not always surgery, but even the surveillance and medication can be helpful. Yes, and, and these, these are measures that are, that are applied and that make a difference in the, in the future risk of disease in individuals that carry these mutations. The, the empowerment is the important message. Are there uh, professional societies that actually formally recommend BRCA1 and 2 testing? Yes, there are a number of guidelines that have been issued. Uh, one of the most recent uh, was, it was issued by the American Society of Breast Surgeons. Uh, the, um, the Society of Gynecological Oncologists is a group that, that has guidelines. A large number of professional societies have issued guidelines on the use of these technologies. And, and because of the benefit that, that it has to patient care. But the guidelines are really endorsements of proceeding with testing. Is that correct? That's correct. The guidelines are, do not recommend testing for all people. They recommend testing for women and men that have strong family and personal histories that are indicative of, of a potential hereditary syndrome. Do you have any books or articles or even websites to recommend to interested audience members uh, to get more information? There are a number of places that people can go to become educated. Um, one, one of them, of course, is the Myriad website. We have information for both clinicians and patients there. 
the, the talk about the testing, talk about the results, talk about the frequency of mutations in individuals presenting with certain clinical and personal historical uh, aspects. In addition to this, there are a number of professional societies that have uh, guidelines. Uh, the National Cancer Institute is a very excellent place to go to get informed, and there are also a number of, of educational programs that are available put on by professional societies. So the bottom line would be the National Cancer Institute and Myriad Genetic Laboratories. If they Google that, they can probably find it. Is that correct? Absolutely. I want to thank Dr. Gregory Critchfield, president of Myriad Genetics, who has been our guest. We have been discussing the science of genetic testing for cancer risk using the BRCA genetic mutations. I am your host, Dr. Michael Benson. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions about this program, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.